1: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio.
0: There's a lot to talk about today. You know, Fabio, I remember him from my grandmother's risque novels, the cover of her novels, and he's had something to say about masculinity. Now, I know very little about Fabio other than him being... The model and actor who's on the cover of many. (laughs) I'm laughing. One of my producers who didn't know who Fabio is. But that's okay. That's great if you don't know who Fabio is. I'm laughing because it's always interesting generationally. When you know someone, you know them very well. You know of them and then someone has no idea. I dated myself recently though. Okay, my producer Miranda is saying literally though. Who is Fabio? Maybe you recognize him from your grandmother's... Romance novels. He is the epitome of the male romance cat character, a very strong, masculine male hero. If you don't know who Fabio is, maybe you love him. I don't know, but he's had a lot to say about the state of masculinity in this country. And not only that, we're also talking about OnlyFans. Talk about risque content today. What is going on? Did you know that OnlyFans? only continues to become more mainstream, people are actually losing their jobs over their OnlyFans accounts that are Side hustles for money, and boy, is that a side hustle? We will touch on that in just a few minutes. But in greater news, it's almost Advent, and I have some Advent resources for you—from things to incorporate into your home to brighten up the season ahead of Christmas in preparation. So many fun activities, tons of links and resources. So stay with me, Miranda sinceros here on Trending. My new producer has been helping me to gather a lot of content for what would be great ideas for Advent. Also, we'll be diving into finding purpose and inspiration in your life, whether you're married or not. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Join me now is Devin Shad, and the topic is one that's so important for marriage, how to have fun with your spouse and cultivate closeness in your marriage. You know Devin Shad is the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph. He's also, sorry, Shad, also a author of a number of, of great books. You can find them at fathersofstjoseph.org. That's fathersofstjoseph.org. And he and I were talking earlier about how important it is to cultivate a close relationship in marriage. If you were with me on Wednesday, licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder was with me as we discussed how important it is to grow your friendship. And part of growing your friendship, and I'll be sure to link to that episode in the show notes and on social media, how to grow your, your relationship. Part of that important element is having fun. And so joining me now is Devin Shad. He's been through the thick and thin of it with challenges within raising children, having ch- children with special needs, the thick and thin, the challenges of good days and bad days in marriage. And he's here to give some keen insights into the importance of having fun and enjoying your time with your wife. Devin Shad, welcome back to Trending.
1: Hey, thanks, Marie. It's great to be on.
0: So you and I were talking earlier today and we were having fun just talking about different things we've done to enjoy our time with our spouse because it's so easy to become two ships passing in the wind in many phases in life and part of what was so fun about the dating scene whether you remember it or it was a long time ago was that we did things that were fun together when you were dating your spouse and then you get married and husbands get really settled into the responsibility of marriage Wives get into a lot of the cultivating relationships, especially with children, and that primary relationship that needs to be fostered still kind of goes by the wayside. What are some fun things that you do in your life to cultivate that closeness with your spouse, and how do you find uh, maybe a way of coming together when you guys have different interests, Devin?
1: Wow. That's a, that's a tough question for me. I'm now, like you said, I'm, I'm in my fifties. We've got a special needs child. Um, and you know, as you age, you have health issues and things like that. But I think, you know, there's a lot of things, my wife and I, we actually love sitting on a beach. We love farmer's market. We love window shopping downtown. And I know that doesn't sound very exciting to a lot of guys who like me might like paintball or flag football or climbing Mount Everest. But the goal here is not about doing something, you know, that is competition or something that is going to challenge me personally. The big challenge here is to spend time with my wife in a way that's going to bring us both delight and enjoyment and bring the two of us together. And so for us, we're pretty simple folks. We don't need to do something that's like, you know, really crazy but it could be as simple as gardening or maybe landscaping or remodeling a room that kind of stuff is a stuff that we personally love but i mean there's a lot of things that couples can do to experience that closeness in marriage and we have to remember what's the point the you know like virtue virtue has a point to it it's an operative act right it's something we actually do that is a habit it's it's a good habit toward a good end goal and here's the problem though you know, I would almost say, can, virt- can fun be a virtue? Can fun be a virtue in your marriage? I think this would be a really good question because on one end of fun or enjoyment in marriage is you have the excess of all play. So all recreation, little responsibility, but on the other side, I think this happens to us a lot as religious people or spiritual people is that we become so devoted to our prayer life or so devoted to our religion and our vocation as parents that we become way too serious. And then the defect there is all we do is pray, play or pray, you know, uh, too much responsibility, too little responsibility without enough recreation with one another. And so virtue in the middle is finding that that beautiful golden mean where we can harmonize responsibility with recreation.
0: I love that where you say responsibility with recreation. I think that we do struggle as a culture with recreation. I think that, you know, you have different groups, subgroups, and there are people who maybe you're not married, you're pushing off marriage, and the season you're in is totally focused on fun and not on the responsibility. But then on the flip side, I think that we can get so bogged down in life by everything there is to get done. I and mean, even looking at it with, from the relationship of with my kids, like the greatest thing I can do with my kid is sit down and play with her. With each of them. But we think so often, oh, well, I'm doing this for her. I'm making food for her. I'm cleaning the house for her. I'm doing all of these things. But what she really needs is that relationship to be cultivated, to meet those emotional needs of play and fun. And again, bringing that closeness. Well, we need that as adults as well. We don't suddenly turn into robots who are just meant to function <laughs> and be a cog in the machine. And I think, Devin, we forget this in marriage. And I know that... A lot of people, though, especially in marriage, as time goes on, they tend to think, well, we don't have any similar interests, or Mm -hmm. we used to do these things, but maybe there are health reasons that get in the way of that, or maybe the financial means to do so isn't there anymore because you have other responsibilities. I think there are a lot of excuses, and so part of the challenge is finding what you enjoy together, and I love, Devin, where you shared You guys enjoy really simple things, going to a farmer's market, walking around downtown, working together on house projects, like finding what those things are jointly for the two of you is key. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think like fun is actually hard work. I know that sounds ironic, but I think. So let me back up a little bit. I think when we take ourselves too seriously, like we do take ourselves too seriously. I love GK Chesterton. One of his most quoted quotes is angels fly because they, they can take themselves lightly, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think he says something along the lines that solemnity or you know, seriousness flows out of men naturally, but laughter's a leap. And so he says that Satan fell by force mm-hmm. of gravity. It's easy to be heavy. It's hard to be light. And so, fun is actually hard work. And so, we have to work at fun. And I kind of like that. Actually, (laughs) we have to work at fun. And so, we're going to have poor health. We're going to have lack of time. We're going to think we're not fun. We're going to think that we don't have enough common in common. But I think that all those obstacles that are raised in our mind provide us with an opportunity to overcome and show the love for our spouse. That's the key here. Is that this idea of fun or playfulness or enjoyment with one another, we are to look at those obstacles and say, you're worth that. And so, you know, I think, you know, there's some steps we can identify to take to make this happen. And maybe we can talk about that. But I think just because the obstacles are there doesn't mean that we live in a spirit of lethargy where we lack enthusiasm or inertia, where we don't do anything, we remain unchanged. No, our spouse spouse is worth it. The closeness to have that closeness and that intimacy with their spouse is worth it
0: and i think it's a matter of scheduling the time you have to schedule the time and then plan the time you know we hear all there the time about how couples need to take that weekly date night or take the annual mm. vacation together you have to schedule it and then you have to plan it otherwise it kind of just happens to you or doesn't happen mm-hmm. at all and maybe you know what those fun things are that you guys can do together maybe you don't and i think sometimes the Uh, challenges we need to think of more things to do Uh, you don't sometimes you get into a rut and then you fail to do it because you're just so familiar and so I think a great exercise could be coming together each making five a list of five things that you would enjoy doing and then talk about it because maybe you're not interested in anything on the other person's list and vice versa but it could stimulate some ideas for example my husband loves going to the ocean and just jumping around in the water it, it, he's like a kid he could wave surf for forever i love lakes totally not a fan of the ocean Devin. like the sand everywhere the saltiness but i would love to sit on the beach and play uh, i don't know racquetball or whatever to uh, read a book just sit there in the sun and relax so there there's a coming together with that fun that even things that maybe you might enjoy differently you can still enjoy together
1: yeah, I love that. So, yeah, step 1, identify ways to have fun together. Both of you guys write them down on a separate sheet of paper and then come together and then see if any overlap. Get those get those items that overlap, right? And then I love what you said about step 2 is scheduling it in, you know. And what that says is when you put it on the schedule, both of you are saying it this is important. And also what's great about that is that it builds excitement and enthusiasm as we look forward to that kind of that oasis in the middle of the week, or, you know, we're getting, you know, crushed Mm -hmm. by life and the banality of life. And it gives us something to look forward to. And we're like, okay, great. And so we start to prepare for that emotionally. And there's a little bit of a build-up there. And I think it's really good. But then Mm -hmm. I think you, you kind of hit it at this step three, besides first identifying it, those things you can do, scheduling it in, but third is follow through you know and i think one of the most heartbreaking things that we do to our children and we do to our spouses is yeah that sounds great let's do it or i'll be at the concert or i'll be at the ballet performance or whatever it is i'll be at the game and then we don't show up oh work got in the way or i had this meeting and that's a that's that will crush the deal so we've got to follow through because what it says when we follow through is our marriage is most important Mm-hmm. And, the, and then I think lastly, you know, like you were talking about earlier, and I, I really like this is we got to play well together. You know, some people are competitors, I'm a competitor, right? you know, and, and, uh, you know, It's not about, you know, winning. It's not about proving ourselves. I'm terrible at this with Monopoly with my kids. They're like, I'm not playing with you ever again, dad, you know, (laughs) but I am, I'm, it's bad. That was my mom and I in
0: Candyland when I was a kid. (laughs) Oh man,
1: yeah. And I really try hard, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. Well anyway, but, so you gotta play well together. And I, I think it's, it's not whether I play well, you know, perform, compete well. It's not whether she plays well. It's whether we play well together. And so I think that what you've said here, you know, identifying those ways to have fun together, scheduling it in, make sure that you're committed to following through and follow through well by playing together well. I think that's a recipe for coming together in closeness and cultivating conversation.
0: Yes. And, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite things to do is play Games, specifically card games that are strategic, and I love to play the game Canasta. And my husband is so great about playing games that I like to with me. Can and you scare I'm. Me? I'm a competitive and I like strategy. And when I'm playing Canasta or different card games, I'm memorizing along the the way. I'm singing songs in my head of the numbers so that I'm strategizing for next steps. And so I'm a competitive player. And my husband's here looking like, hey, you really love to play cards? I'll play cards with you. For example, he had never played Canasta before dating and marrying me. And so he's on this learning curve, but he keeps doing it and he keeps becoming better and a more challenging opponent. But also, I have to remember, there are times where he says he'll play with me. And we'll play, but his head isn't in it. And I'm like, gun ho mm. just going for the kill in the game. <laughs> and I have to sit back and go, you know what? Uh... He's choosing to play the game with me. I can still challenge myself. And I can also use this as an opportunity to just talk and maybe mindlessly play the game. And that's okay. It's finding that common enjoyment and as you said, playing well together during that time.
1: Timmer, your husband is a saint.
0: (laughs) Yes, he is. He (laughs) truly is.
1: (laughs) You know, I, I, I remember when I was like seven or eight years old and I you know, every summer or a couple summers we would spend a week with my grandparents. My grandparents were farmers formerly and they lived in the country in about little village town of about 50 people, no more than that. And I was fascinated because my grandma and grandpa, at the end of the day or later in the day, they would just get in the car, roll down the windows, and drive down those back gravel roads. No radio on, and they would barely they sometimes they wouldn't even say a word. And I thought as a kid, wow, this is kind of boring. But now when I look back that was their way of having fun. They enjoyed each other. They just wanted to be with each other, taking creation with the the person they loved the most. And I remember, you—I don't know if you have ever seen them, but those big metal back chairs, the kind of chairs that, like, if you sat in them after they they were in the sun t- too long, they burn a hole right through your shirt. You know, those kind of chairs. But <laughs> they would bring them out in the front lawn at sunset, and they mm. would just sit there and watch the sun go down. And mm. I just, man that is love that is closeness and Simple that is nice. fun yeah yeah
0: And it makes me think too of you mentioned them like taking the back roads and driving my husband loves 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 road trips and road trips really aren't my thing and i've grown since we've gotten married that i appreciate and enjoy the time he loves to talk while we're on the road trips mm. we take it easy we've even started a lot of the time we'll take back roads instead of have freeways because We enjoy the time just unwinding in the car and looking at the scenery. And so there are times where I think we can grow to appreciate those fun and simple things that the other person likes that maybe really just isn't your thing. And actually, this comes to mind. Mike from Milwaukee is asking, also during courtship and early years of marriage, is it possible to try to do things your significant other likes to get closer to them? What do you think?
1: Absolutely. It's a must, you know, I mean, that's where the compromise, you know, and and it's interesting that word compromise is like to, to promise, you know, to try to overcome yourself, to make a promise of yourself to the other person. And so I think, yeah, find out what makes your special other, you know, this woman tick and try to make that crossover. But this is the key. Don't be a hypocrite, don't be punching the clock and think I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> show her how much I love her right now and I'm doing all the things that she, she wants to do and then after marriage it's like, okay, I got her and I don't have to do that ever again. That's not gonna work.
0: And that's where that whole phrase, like, continue to date your spouse, that we kind of need to take more seriously. And I think both for men and women, it's funny. There was actually a story a couple months ago. I had talked about something about having fun with your spouse. And a few weeks later, I saw someone, met, him for the, met her for the first time. And she looks at me. She said, I want to tell you something. And I said, okay. She doesn't even introduce herself. She goes, extreme sports. And I said, okay, <laughs> extreme sports what? And she says, that's what you have to do with your husband. And I said, okay. And then she says, I heard you on the radio a few weeks ago talking about what you can do to have fun in marriage. And she said, when we got married, my husband was into extreme sports and I wasn't interested, but I said, okay, you know, I'm married. I love him. And now they're in their sixties. And she said to this day, We engage in extreme sports all the time. It's a thrill. We have a blast. We have so much fun together. And she said, it just took me pushing myself to do something that wasn't my thing, yet he took a lot of delight in. And now here in our older age, it's keeping us healthy and fit, and we're enjoying our time together. And we've cultivated that all of these years.
1: Yeah. And what that says to him is that I'm worth it. She's willing to overcome some sense of resistance to be with him. And I think, you know, a lot of times it isn't the actual event itself. The event itself gets our adrenaline pumping and it it gets us kind of like where we're loosened up emotionally. But sometimes it's the ride home. Sometimes it's the beer afterwards. Sometimes it's just, you know, talking about it afterwards and yet you solidifies that experience that both of you had together. And that's what we call memories, you know, and and that's what we're fostering or creating in our marriages, memories. And those memories go a long way.
0: And you mentioned something earlier, Devin, that I think is key. You mentioned that having it on your calendar even gives you that opportunity when you're in like that that slump of the week of that you're looking forward to it. And I remember a few years ago, I was reading research on vacations and how actually the most exciting part of the vacation can often be the anticipation, the building up to the vacation. So plan those events that you can engage with your spouse, have some fun, and let it be those things that you're living for, that you're enjoying and moving toward as a fun thing to put on your calendar to grow in that close relationship and have fun with your spouse. That's Devin Schott here on Trending with Tim Wright. You can find him at fathersofstjoseph.org. That's fathersofstjoseph.org. Also, we'll post a link in the episode notes to other times he's been with us here on Trending. You can hear tons of great advice on fatherhood, being a husband, and marriage with Devin Schott. So I'll be right back here on Trending. And we're talking everything from Fabio to... OnlyFans being a major trend today, so stay with me for some not-so-risqué content and also some great Advent resources, fun things to do in your home, whether you have children or you don't, to prepare for Jesus Christ this coming Christmas. Advent's a special season to do that, similar to Lent, but sometimes we struggle to catch up on this as a great penitential and preparative season.
1: We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
0: Is it two months or six months worth of a salary that you're supposed to save up for your engagement ring for the woman you propose to? I was just talking to my producer. I say... I'm not saying this is what it should be, but I thought it was six months. He says too. Uh, you can let us know online. Maybe we'll throw that question up on social media. Uh, Patrick and Miranda can take that. And I, I just find it so funny. But Fabio... You know him, although Miranda did not know him. But that's, that's a good thing. So he's legendary for his covers as a cover model on many romance novels. I always thought of them as risky. I don't know if they're risky or not. I always just assumed they were. But he has been depicted for decades as the heroic, quintessential masculine male protagonist in hundreds of book titles. Today it's interesting because he has come out doing some podcast interviews lately and he's commenting on the state of men. Now he in these books or as he's represented is a very strong male character and he you may know him he's Italian you can look him up online if you don't know who he is but I was intrigued by some of the comments because my producer Jim's a big fan of Fabio apparently, since he was sending all this to me, and he—he <laughs> he says not—he um, was intrigued by the comments that Fabio made. Fabio commented that, basically, men don't like testosterone today, and he gives the example, for, for example, very serious state of the world right now and wars going on and how you want a soldier. You want a soldier who has testosterone, essentially, and if you look at what's happening in the Middle East, you see soldiers in groups such as Hamas and others who have testosterone, who are soldiers, who are men who are willing to fight. And he's slamming the trend that, in fact, even women are complaining about in novels and in TV today of, quote, soft masculinity, as he referred to it. And here he is juxtaposed, this famous manly hero in novels. He's taking problem with what's happening in the way men are being portrayed in art and media today. He says, I talk to many people. I talk to many women and women say we can't find real men anymore. And they say we want a real man, not a metrosexual. So what they say is happening in the new romance novels is detached, not so far detached from reality. This whole reality of what's happening though is interesting because I think that we're seeing this portrayed in media but we're also seeing it in the culture i am hearing from women and i remember i have i'll have to dig it up i remember a few years ago there was some research done and women were asked do you have confidence in your partner's ability to protect you and the response was somewhat startling a large number of women were not comfortable or confident with their partners with the man in their lives ability to physically protect them. I think there's something very wrong with that. I'm not saying that every man should have a gun. I'm not saying that every man should carry a knife on him. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is that there should be a good level of confidence that when push came to shove, a man knows how to stand up and protect. And I think that's key. And here's the deal. Men want to feel capable and able to protect as well. And I think this is part of this crisis of, for men today, this crisis of manhood, is that a lot of men don't have confidence in their ability to protect, in their ability to take a hit. And that is crippling and upsetting for a lot of men. But part of that is because they were never mentored to do so. Or we've lived in a culture where boys were not allowed to Kind of rough house and working out i was on a walk with my kids the other day and we're passing by this trampoline there are no parents supervising and their two sibling brothers playing out on the trampoline and they were playing hard they weren't playing aggressively to the point where they were harming each other could they get hurt of course they're playing on a trampoline but they were kicking they were practicing their fighting skills and they were good but i see all the time Family members, peers, where kids start to wrestle, specifically boys, and I'm talking about boys, not because boys should not be hitting girls, and that needs to be clear. Uh, but where, and that, but that is part of it, by the way. Boys knowing that they shouldn't hit girls, and boys knowing they should protect girls, and knowing the difference. Boys aren't even taught that, but boys today are being interrupted anytime they start to roughhouse, and I think that's part of this low testosterone. Inability to protect mindset today. Men and women, the bottom line, we are different. And even a woman's desire, even studies that came out, fantastic studies, and I've cited them often about how women would prefer, even like strong pro feminist women, would prefer a man who is, quote, a benevolent sexist. In other words, someone who believes in differences between men and women and even has some level of authority structure. With his mindset and attitude toward relationships that women even radical feminist women who are all about equality and everything that's still the type of man that women want and this is why fabio this famous romance writer model today on the cover of hundreds of books why he has commented that women are not into metrosexual men and it's true metrosexual men who are overly concerned about their appearance overly concerned about their clothes who Maybe can't just not take a shower and continue to move on with the day. And I'm not saying don't take showers, but like sometimes I, I've seen it where guys like, oh, I can't do this because I've got to take a shower before I can do that. I'm all about being clean. But like life goes on. Sometimes you're going to be a little sweaty and not that you smell bad, but that you don't have to be so prim and proper all the time. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that in men today as a, I think, facade that's actually under. The undertone there is their discomfort with the strength of how they interact, from the ability to protect, from the ability to take a hit, from how they view themselves. There's a lot to be said here, but here's what's interesting statistically kind of backing this up. We are seeing some of the lowest rates of testosterone in men today. In fact, you just link that directly with Sperm, for example, men are producing less sperm than ever before. In fact, sperm count is down by, is halved in comparison to just 50 years ago. Testosterone levels for a lot of men are halving as well. Numbers are reporting that when men are getting tested, for their own reproductive hormones, testosterone, and others, that testosterone is low. A lot of men are actually being encouraged today to supplement with testosterone because the levels are so low, it's impacting their bottom line and their basic health, from energy to exercise to confidence, because testosterone helps confidence. And we could dive into a lot of the factors influencing this. I'm all about clean water filters, and this is not an advertisement. But the truth of the matter is, the secular research, peer-reviewed research is clear. There are an immense number of endocrine disruptors in our water today, from birth control to RU-46 chemical abortion. That impacts men, too. Not to mention the fact that it's not just endocrine disruptors in our water, but also high quantities of synthetic female hormones, estrogen and progesterone. Plastic also interrupts and disrupts male testosterone and sperm count along with much of our food industry today. So there's a lot to be said to having clean water, not drinking and eating out of plastic and being cautious with food because it clearly is having an influence on testosterone. And so when we look at people commenting and saying, hey, don't be a soy boy, don't drink soy milk, which was jokingly, But seriously, the advice of Fabio, he says, be yourself and don't drink soy milk. That was his advice in the end. And in a certain respect, it's true. Be yourself and don't drink soy milk. Like, don't set soy milk aside because soy milk is high in estrogen and that's why they say men shouldn't have soy milk. Set soy milk aside. Soy is terrible for you anyway. But the truth of the matter is men need to have the confidence instilled in them to be themselves men come in all shapes and sizes tall short wide we could go on and on at the end of the day there needs to be confidence in yourself god created men with testosterone god created the body of a man to be able to take a hit in a very different way as opposed to women just the body structure to carry the shoulders and the hips men have narrower hips for the ability to carry and bear things Men have broader shoulders for the ability to carry and bear things, to take a hit, to protect, to hunt, to provide, and we shouldn't be afraid of those elements even if Again, you're not as tall as the average guy, or maybe you feel uncomfortable with how tall you are in comparison to others. I think there's a lot to be said of building male confidence, and Fabio, when he talks about this rejection of women with regard to the metrosexual dimension and rejection of this just low testosterone in men who aren't willing to protect, he's saying women want soldiers. And I'm not saying, again, that you need to be walking around carrying a gun or a knife. That's not what this conversation is about. But what it is about is instilling confidence and instilling even the ability to take a hit. But also, protection has to do with the spiritual and moral character of a man, a spiritual character that is spiritually robust, engaged in spiritual warfare, that is a man of honor, integrity, of character and morals, that isn't going to go down the rabbit hole of much of what's happening in the culture today when it comes to damaging the integrity And morality and honesty of men. Which brings me to my next topic. I can't believe I'm even talking about this. I will just say this again. I cannot believe I'm talking about this. We discussed the issue of pornography, but we don't discuss enough the issue of OnlyFans. Now, OnlyFans gained major popularity during COVID. If you don't know what it is, good. And I am cautious with what I'm sharing. Basically, It's now a very mainstream network, even referred to as a social network now with subscription-based for people who are 18 and up that includes so-called adult content, risque content, that is so normalized that anyone can do it. Your local school teacher, the girl working at the local diner, the woman working in a very professional high level nine to five. We know that prostitution is one of the most historic professions for women when women need money. And what's sad is that we're in a point in culture, even though women are more educated than men today, more women are in university and sticking through than men today, yet women in droves are turning to earning extra money on the side through OnlyFans. OnlyFans is a personalized platform to create content personalized and tailored to the person who is hiring you now you can do subscriptions for your OnlyFans but you also can do one-on-one requests and I'm just going to kind of leave it out at that OnlyFans has been in the headlines a lot recently And here's why. A lot of people are quitting their day jobs or making more money on the side doing OnlyFans than they do in their day jobs. I'll just give you a couple examples because this is actually a major issue with school teachers today where kids are finding their school teachers on on OnlyFans or it's coming to the attention of administrators at schools and teachers are being fired over this. Teachers are refusing to take down their accounts. Why? Because... Money singing in this situation. Two teachers, I'm reading a news report, two teachers Fox News reported from the same high school in Missouri were placed on leave after their bosses found out the educators were operating OnlyFans accounts. Both said paying off student loan debt was one of their top reasons for selling racy content. One of them claimed in an interview with Fox News Digital to have made nearly $1 million. Here's the deal, it's, it's a broad issue, Everyday women school teachers are on OnlyFans now, but so are celebrities who are turning to monetizing their com- content. People such as Carmen Electra, who loves OnlyFans because she loves the fact that she can engage in one-on-one content and respond to requests, personal one-on-one qu- requests. I, It's disgusting that we're even talking about this. And I have to be really blunt. And if you are someone who's used OnlyFans, I know I know it's a real problem, pornography, and I hope you will get help. If you are looking at pornography, if you subscribe to an OnlyFans account, I can say stop and I mean it because you know just as much as I do that it's damaging your soul, it's damaging your relationships, it's damaging your day-to-day functions. But the truth of the matter is is that pornography is an addiction and OnlyFans is only feeding this addiction. What's scary about pornography is that your body, your brain chemistry, your chemicals, your neurotransmitters, the synapses between your brain, all of that is firing to create your own substance in your brain of a chemical cocktail that you're addicted to. You're not even in- consuming a substance. And so you need help if you're looking at pornography. That's why I love the work of our friends over at Integrity Restored. Integrityrestored.org, incredible, sound, scientific, and faith. Face- faith-based resources to overcome a pornography addiction. It's possible, but you have to get help. And please remember that a pornography addiction is a sex addiction. We have to be honest about it. And so when we're looking at stories such as this with OnlyFans, it's interesting because on a cultural level, why are young people doing this? One, money. They're desperate for easy money. Two, I think that the fashion culture we live in is very okay with exposing so much of the body that it's not a stretch to go much further into OnlyFans. We have objectified the bodies of women so badly that what's, what's, what is left to be desired? And I think girls kind of get this today that, hey, if I can make a little bit more money by showing a little more skin, is it that big of a deal? It's normalized. It's not looked down upon. What's interesting on the flip side of the consumer is that in the fantasy world, the Washington Post technology reporter Drew Harwell actually was just reporting on OnlyFans and one of the stars. And he said that one of the stars, and I don't want to name names, said people don't understand the scale of the opportunity that is with OnlyFans. I mean, really, you can make your own world. You can make your own world. Get what they're saying. They're saying with OnlyFans, you can step out of reality and enter into cyberspace you can enter into a fantasy world you can enter into meta as we know mark zuckerberg and other people would love you to live your life online it is all a fantasy and while yes there are real women on OnlyFans, fans much of the inappropriate content today is using the face of a woman and then altering the body radically It's just what's happening today with things such as the rise of OnlyFans and the fact that I'm even having to talk about this today. It's sad, but here's the good news. We have the answers that when women can see the value of their own bodies, when they can see the value of marriage, of waiting till marriage, the value of procreation, the gift of their bodies and the potency for new life and to guard that gift of the ability to have new life, to have standards and that when women have standards, good men rise to the occasion. These are things we need to tell women because a lot of the time, no one has been there to tell her otherwise. I think there are a lot of women who don't know better and a lot of women who do know better, but their peers are doing it. So what's the big deal? It's not looked down upon. There are a lot of women who are struggling under student student loan debt. I get it. I get it. My husband and I both have student loan debt. It's not easy. I always say that The cost of some student loan debt is as much, if not often more, than a house payment, a mortgage. This is why a lot of millennials are struggling, millennials on down, because they can't own a house, they're under crippling debt, and so they're looking for desperate means to get out. And OnlyFans is presenting that means. I'll never forget when I was in college, my husband and I were dating, uh, then dating, and we went out to eat at P.F. Chang's. And the waitress came up to us and she was stressed but very sweet and I could just tell she was really stressed out she ended up kind of venting while she's sitting there and at one point she just goes I'm sorry I'm so tired she said I'm working four jobs and she's going on chronicling everything that's going on in her life and she's asking forgiveness for some faux pas that happened during the meal and we're just talking to her and I looked at her and I said what's going on and she said I have student loans and I said they're crippling aren't they and she said yes she said I'm just trying to keep up And so I share this story because I think that this leads to a lot of conversations that need to be had. Caution with regard to student loans, the joy and honoring of the body, the procreative dimension, the gift of protecting that ability to have children, the gift of waiting till marriage, helping girls to know you're enough, you're beautiful, you're wonderful as you are. You don't have to expose your body or reduce your body. There's so much to be said and to speak into this OnlyFans normalcy that this isn't normal. And there's another way, but we have to be willing to have those conversations that are awkward and uncomfortable. Maybe with your kids, maybe it's with a friend. You have no idea the people who are doing OnlyFans today who think either one, it's okay because everyone's doing it or two, it's okay because I desperately need the money and I don't know how else I'm going to make it. So let's provide hope, solutions, answers, but ones that have integrity and love for body. And I think that the conversations, even when they're difficult, can be had because when someone hears that there's hope, that there's another way, and that you're willing to help them in finding that way, it can help take them out of a spiraling lifestyle that I think we are only seeing the brink of when it comes to this normalcy of an OnlyFans culture. You're listening to Trending with Timmery here on Relevant Radio. Coming up, Advent resources and recommendations for you and your loved ones to bring into your home as we prepare the way for our Lord Jesus Christ at Christmas. But 1st doing that during this Advent season that we're about to begin.
1: We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
0: We're just two weeks and some change away from Advent kicking off December 3rd. We have a little bit of a gap this year between Thanksgiving and Advent. Usually we start right after, but we've got an extra week. So here's your extra time to prepare for the season of preparation. Advent is the season to prepare for the coming of Christ. They're great, great meditations and people to journey through Advent with, from the Blessed Virgin Mary and her preparation for the birth of Christ, along with St. Joseph, to John the Baptist, who's the last prophet of the Old Testament, even though he's in the New Testament, who prepares the way of the Lord. He goes out into the desert to prepare the way, uh, detaching from everything. And that's what we're called to enter into during the Advent season. I know there's so much to be excited about during Advent. Both of my daughters hug Christmas Day when it comes to birthdays. And so it it provides even additional excitement and celebration. But Advent has truly become my favorite liturgical season. And it's because it's like Lent, but it's different. And then it's preparing for the coming of Christ at Christmas. It's preparing for the coming of Christ at our judgment at the end of time. And we'll dive into more of that and have Advent content and meditations and fun things to do every day of Advent here on Trending. So I hope you'll join me during this special season here on Relevant Radio on Trending. But Before we do that, we need to get ready. And there are some really neat things I want to share with you that you can do and bring into your home. And I found that I'm kind of combining some of the secular things and taking a religious twist on it. So I'll share some of the things that my producer... Miranda Senesiros has recently joined me in coming together with a bunch of different ideas. So a first fun thing, and again, some are for if you have kids, some are not. It's a little bit of everything peppered in there. So the first is Mary on the Mantle. I've never done this, but it's very similar to Elf on the Shelf concept, where Mary is moved around your house as she prepares for her new baby, and Mary delivers a small act of kindness that can be performed that day. Now, I don't have a Mary on the Mantle, but I'm posting a link to to Be a Heart, which has a great Mary on the Mantle guide along with, you can order the book that goes through the Mary on the Mantle program. Someone, uh, an aunt, bought Elf on the Shelf for us a few years ago. And so our Elf on the Shelf, just giving some tips here, arrives on St. Nicholas's Feast Day as we do a little bit of a St. Nicholas Feast Day preparation. I'll give you some ideas for that soon because it's already time to prepare for St. Nicholas Feast Day. But Our Elf on the Shelf arrived on St. Nicholas' feast day last year and was sent by St. Nicholas and God to help watch to make sure these little kids behaved ahead of Christmas and to be very good. And we talk about everything from the preparation of Jesus coming and why we're good and the significance of Christmas. So I take my Catholic spin onto some of the fun secular things that prepare the way for Christmas. Another great idea out there is a the nativity trail from Catholic Sprouts. The Nativity Trail is an adventure study for parents, and so it helps you journey through the season with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I'll post a link to that Nativity Trail. It's downloadable and available online. One thing that I saw done quite a bit when I was a kid in some of our... Uh, family, friends, homes was the manger, where you put a piece of straw in the manger for each deed or act of kindness and service that you do. And building up to Christmas, you've created, hopefully, a soft bed for baby Jesus for when you lie, baby Jesus in the manger. So I still need to get a nice, manger set for underneath my tree that's on the goals list i feel like there's so much to gather when it comes to christmas decorations and uh, i'm making my way there but i think this is a great one i've seen it done in other homes we're posting a link to the giving manger you can make your own but there are also sets you can pick up as well and it's great again for kids but also for yourself as well at the end of the day it would be a great examination of conscience of did i do a good deed today Have I, maybe during Advent, one of the things you can work on is practicing the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Do you know what those are? Maybe you take one each day and if you do indeed do it, that that symbol of putting the straw in the manger in preparation for Christ can be a symbol for you even as an adult. I might try that this year. We'll see if I get around to picking up a giving manger this year. Something that I've incorporated into our house, and I've shared with you a little bit about this, and I'll share more as we get into Advent or preparing further, is the Christmas tree. This has been a big phase-in for me as we started to pick up our Christmas tree around St. Nicholas's Feast Day and put lights on it, and then on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, I love to decorate my tree with white roses. And so the white roses we put up on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception as a symbolism of Our Lady who's immaculately conceived. And it was actually really neat because kids get this. I had happened to have my nieces and nephews over last year on this feast day and I looked at them and I said, do you know why we're putting these white roses in the tree? And they go to a good Catholic school and they said, because of Mary's purity and her Immaculate Conception. It warmed my heart and I thought, wow, this is great. This is a really great symbolism. For, again, phasing into that tree, not throwing all the Christmas decorations up at once, if that's what you choose, because I'm all about a Christmas tree, but some things that you can incorporate in if maybe, like me, you're trying to phase into that season of Christmas and make some tradition and events along the way. So with that comes the Jesse tree. And if you're not familiar with the Jesse tree, I'm going to link to a great book from Sophia Press Institute, where they actually have, this is what I meditated on last season, was it was meditations on symbols for the Jesse tree. And I make up my own ornaments. Some people create a separate Jesse tree, but what it is, is it's going back to the lineage of the Davidic kingdom, which is the lineage of Jesus. And the Jesse tree is a tree that goes all the way back through salvation history, and you are taking symbols from the Old and the New Testament, and you're creating ornaments that can go on your tree. Now, I'm picky I like really beautiful ornaments my mom always had a gorgeous tree growing up and so I've started to collect things that as my kids get older we can use a symbol so I have a really neat hand-blown whale that is an ornament for my tree. It's very beautiful. And that'll be a great way to share the story of Jonah and the whale. And we can put that ornament up one day during Advent. I have a crown that symbolizes the Davidic kingdom and the kingship of Christ. So that's another ornament for another day. So I'm slowly picking up these pieces that I'm making up from symbols, but also from ideas I've received from the Jesse tree books as well. And you can make a true Jesse tree. They're great cutouts available online to make your own ornaments. If you want to do a little ornament tree with your kids as well. There's a lot to play with here, and that's part of what I love. I've also loved the last few years in Ignatius Nativity Advent calendar. They have a great Nativity Advent calendar with Cabrillo, the little lamb who follows Joseph and Mary along the journey from... Nazareth to Bethlehem. That's really cute. We'll be taking that out again this year. Also, there's a new Advent nativity calendar from Ignatius as well that we'll post links to on social media as those come available. Another great idea that Miranda came up with, my producer here, she said the letters to Jesus. I'd never heard of this one. And you don't need to buy anything for this one. Uh, again, a lot of this is creative. You can come up with it around your house. And that is letters to Jesus where members of all ages of the family can write their thoughts, prayers and greetings to the Christ child in preparation for his birth. And you can put that somewhere near the manger under the Christmas tree, and you can share them on Christmas day, or you can give them to baby Jesus at the manger. So there are a lot of great things for resources that you can incorporate into your house whether you have kids or don't it's a joy-filled season and we can incorporate preparation for jesus into our advent season with decorations and fun activities i have more recommendations to come here on trending as we get ready for advent so be sure check the links in the episode notes coming up next is a family rosary across america have a great weekend